Thank you for listening to this week's message from New Day Community Church in Vandalia. We hope this message encourages and blesses you. Look us up and contact us at newdaycommunity.org. My name is Aaron. My wife and I lead the youth ministry in Kalamazoo. If you don't know uh, my wife and I, Adrian is my wife there in the back. She'll be clicking through the slides, hopefully, if it's working. Just hit the present button up there. Yep. Cool. Awesome. So we are continuing our series titled, The Struggle is Real. Today, the title is, But Submission Brings Freedom. We've been going through which book? Anyone remember what book we're going through? Yes, First Peter. In this book, Peter discusses how we can have hope, how we can live well, how we can follow Jesus well in the face of struggle, in the face of adversity, even in the face of persecution. Um, and Pastor Mark, Pastor Cameron have done a great job through the first chapter and a half of this book going through it. Today, I have the privilege of going through a very large section of text. Lord be with me. It is 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 through 3, chapter 12. This is a humongous section of text. It would be impossible to thoroughly go through it. Today, I'm going to try to pick out some high points, look for some themes, and hopefully encourage you to dive deeper into the Word. That's a big part of what I do as a preacher is to encourage you to go into the secret place filled up with the Holy Spirit, and ask Him how to apply this, how to interpret this in our lives today. Um, So by no means am I going to hit every point here, um, but I hope to at least pique your interest and and cause you to look deeper into what's going on here. Um, Today we're going to look at, and Peter talks about, the issue of submission to authority. And that was about the reaction I got from the Kalamazoo folks. Blank stares, that's okay. It's not the most exciting topic to talk about. It's not the one that we as Americans really want to talk about that often either. Sometimes if we're honest with ourselves, when we think of the word submission in America, we think of weakness, think of slavery. Is there really a more un-American word than submission? But hopefully today we'll redefine what that word means and we'll figure out that submission, in fact, is not weakness is a place of strength. We'll figure out that submission actually brings freedom, not chains. This morning. Thank you. This is great. Much better than what we saw in Kalamazoo. (laughs) They're great too. Alright, as we go through this text, remember who Peter is writing to. He's writing to a persecuted church. They're under intense persecution from a ruthless dictator. Yet, in the face of this pain, in the face of this persecution, Peter calls the church to submit and honor the very authority that is causing them so much pain. This was a radical message he was sending. And in a lot of ways, to be honest, this message is just as radical today in America. We have a problem with submission. We have a problem with authority in a lot of ways. But as we go again through this this text, keep in mind two themes that we're going to kind of Return to um, submission is not weakness, and submission brings freedom. And this is a hard text. Let me just get it out there. This is not going to be an easy message for us. I had to wrestle with it. I hope you will go home and wrestle with it some more. 
because it's not an easy text. And actually, a lot of times, some of these verses are very much twisted to mean something that they don't mean. So we're going to do our best to try to um, interpret this and apply it to our lives. We're going to look at submission as it relates to government, submission in the workplace, and submission in our marriages. Sounds like a party, right? This is going to be great. Let's begin um, 1 Peter chapter 2, if you have your Bibles or you can read along on the screen. Starting in verse 13, we're going through verse 17. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. There is a sermon series in there alone. We're going to hit a couple points in this section. The first thing I want to look at is this, this phrase, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. I think that the most important four words in this these few verses are for the Lord's sake. We are to honor, to obey, to submit to human authority, not out of fear of that authority, not out of some kind of moral obligation, um, not to please that authority, but for the Lord's sake. Um, the Lord has placed certain people certain human beings in authority. And when we honor those people in authority, we are in fact honoring the Lord. Romans chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. This is a parallel passage. Everyone must submit himself, himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And to those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. So when we honor, respect our governmental authority, we are in fact honoring the Lord. Unfortunately, sometimes I think in America we have this a little backwards. We think that we are best honoring authority when we are disrespecting those who don't agree with us. Disrespecting those that um, we think are not following the Lord. To stand up for our rights, that's when we are honoring the Lord the most. That's what we think. If you don't agree with me, if you're on Facebook, go on Facebook for about 30 seconds. About 30 seconds. I guarantee you, you'll see, before long, see a bloodbath. You know, people are, are very quick to get on Facebook and share their political views. Sometimes to the point, and these are very tame examples up here. You can find a lot worse ones than these. I just picked a few that kind of get a general sense of the stuff you're seeing on Facebook that... Um, just a general disrespect and dishonoring of authority. Um, and you'll, you'll see this if you go on Facebook. If, if you still don't believe me, go to your favorite news source, read the comment section, where people can hide behind anonymity and say whatever they want. They have a platform to say whatever they want, and that's when you'll see some of the most disrespectful, dishonoring things said about authority. It's a bloodbath. If you still don't believe me, you can turn on cable news if you're brave. And you can find even more disrespect and dishonoring of authority. I was watching an interview with our president um, not too long ago on YouTube. And this so-called journalist um, was interviewing the president. And the president could not finish a thought without being interrupted. Now, I'm not saying 
that journalists shouldn't ask hard questions. They absolutely should. I'm not saying that we as citizens shouldn't um, hold our governmental leaders accountable. We absolutely should. But we need to have an honoring and respectful heart when we do so. What does this word submit mean? What does this even mean, this idea of submission? Uh, the Greek word is hupotasso. It means to put oneself under the authority of another. It means to lay down or yield your rights to someone else. That sounds un-American, doesn't it? We stand up for our rights in America. But here, Peter says that we are to lay down our rights to those who are in authority over us. Not easy. Now, submission will most often manifest itself in obedience, but there are certainly times for civil disobedience. Absolutely. I do not want to give you the idea that we need to blindly follow our leaders. That is not the case, especially in the, in the face of injustices. Um, you know, human, humans receive their authority from God. But if that human authority violates a divine command, if that human authority violates a scripture, we are to obey God, not man, okay? Amen? Are you here still? I know this is not easy. It's a tight, it's a tight rope to walk. Um, let me give you an example from the, from scripture. There's tons of examples of civil disobedience standing up to the government in scripture. Um, we'll look at this one today and that's from the book of Acts. Peter, the author of this book we're looking at, he had just healed a man who was born lame. And he and his buddy John were out preaching about Jesus. And the authorities arrested them, threw them into jail, and said, you have to stop it. You have to stop this. You have to stop preaching about Jesus. It is against the law. But Peter and John had this to say. Which is right in God's eyes? To listen to you or to listen to Him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. Peter and John remembered Jesus' command to go into all the world and preach the good news. And they knew that no human authority, no human command could trump that. So there is certainly a time for civil disobedience. But what I think Peter is telling us here is the posture of our hearts should be in a place of submission and honor to authority. What does that even mean? Get the Christianese out of here. What does that even mean? I think it should, and another way of saying it is that submission, honor should be the default setting for a Christian. That's where our hearts should be. Is that making sense? So how does this look today? Well, we already covered the idea of being honoring when we speak about the government, even on Facebook, even in the comments sections of news stories. Um, another way is to obey the law. That makes sense, right? And all of us say we have no problems obeying the law. I have not been arrested anytime soon or any recently. Have you guys not expecting it? But do we have an issue with speeding? Maybe Five over is my, my place. You know, ten over, fifteen. Eh, I'm a little bit of a rush. Let's go twenty. Or maybe just cheating on your taxes just a little bit because those tax laws are a little unfair anyway. Or maybe you struggle with clearing the snow from uh, sidewalks adjacent to your property within 24 hours per village ordinance. Maybe we need to know our village and city ordinances. Just a thought. How do we know when we're in compliance if we don't know them? Do you know your ordinances in the village of Vandalia, the village of Cassopolis? Hmm. Or maybe 
you have no problem illegally downloading movies or music because you have no problem sticking it to the big record companies or sticking it to the, the big movie companies, right? That's not an issue. They have enough money already. But even more than following the rules, I think, at least in America, in 21st century America, I think honoring authority, submitting to authority can look like partnering with the government to make our cities better. Let me give you an example. I'm reading this book about this group of pastors in the city of Portland, Oregon. They got together and they um, approached the government to do some amazing things. Let me tell you a little bit about the city of Portland, Oregon, if you haven't been there, if you don't know about it. It is very progressive, very liberal. They've been multiple times named the most godless city in America, and they are proud of that. At one time, they had an openly gay mayor. And it was at this point that this group of pastors got together and, and, and approached this mayor with one question. The question was not, how dare you? It was not, where do you get off? It was not, why did you implement such and such a policy? Why do you do this or that? The question that the pastors approached this, um, this mayor with was, how can we help you? How can we help you? And what followed was a series of partnerships between government, nonprofits, um, the police department, schools, churches, to begin to transform the city of Portland. And this former mayor, this openly gay, liberal, progressive mayor, had this to say about the situation. He said, Growing up in Oregon, my experience with evangelical Christians was mostly negative. Based on my experience and what the mass media portrayed, I assumed most evangelicals were judgmental, accusatory, closed off, and unwelcoming. But listen to this. He said, but their attitude was not at all what I expected. They were humble. They were open. They wanted to work together, look beyond our differences, and serve the city. They had no hidden agendas. Isn't that crazy? The church didn't distance itself from the mayor. They didn't openly rebuke his lifestyle all the time. They weren't questioning his every move. Rather, they honored him, said, you are an authority. You've been placed in this position of authority. We recognize that. How can we help you? That is countercultural. That is radical. Um, and the results were amazing. And the mayor said he, he often is asked by his fellow um, Colleagues, as liberal colleagues, they say, did you really partner with the evangelical community? I mean, that's crazy. Crazy talk. This mayor said, yes, and we are better for it. Church, when we partner with, when we are respectful and honoring towards our government, the church is better for it, the government is better for it, and our cities are better for it. There's a lot of freedom in submission. Because rather than being chained up in disagreement, rather than being chained up in disrespect and bitterness, we are free to be the church. To share Christ's love, to transform communities. That sounds like the gospel to me. Verse 15 says, For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. In the case of Portland, this mayor doesn't just just wasn't silenced. He said good things about the Christian community because of their actions. That's crazy. That is, that is Scripture in motion. That is taking a, a biblical 
principle and applying it to life and seeing results. That's amazing. I think it's important to note, though, well, before I go there, I was, I was recently on Facebook and a pastor friend of mine said that being right is not a spiritual fruit. Being right is not a spiritual fruit. I think sometimes, as American Christians, we think that's the case. What are spiritual fruits? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Where do you find those things? Where do you find love, joy, peace, patience? All those good things, you find them in an atmosphere of honor. You find them in an atmosphere of submission to authority. I truly believe that. It's very important to note, though, and hear me out on this, that Peter was talking to a church that was under intense persecution. They had no hope of partnering with their government. That was just the reality. And there are still nations today where it is illegal to be a Christian. You are, if you're doing this right now, as, as Luke said earlier, you, your life is at risk. So they have no hope of partnering with the government. So that doesn't apply everywhere. But it could apply here. And what Peter is saying is that even if the government is completely against you, your heart should be in a place of submission to them. And there is, you know, there is time for civil disobedience. We talked about that. All right. These are, these are, this is difficult stuff. You can, you can see there's a lot here. Let's keep moving though. Um, next we're going to look at, at submission in the workplace. And that's 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 18 through 21. Is this good? Are we all? Okay. 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 18 through 21. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you are called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Another difficult passage. It's important, I think, to get right out of the way, this word slave. Um, it is the Greek word oiketes. And it's not exactly the type of slave that we think of through our 21st century American lens. Um, possibly more accurately um, translated as a domestic servant. Many of these household or domestic servants were well-educated. They held responsible positions in the household. They had jobs like doctors, teachers, musicians, actors. So, um, we, so we see that... Did you have something you wanted to say? Yes, that's what we're, what we're talking about here. And I, want, I don't want to paint the wrong picture either because there was um, intense persecution for some of them. So it's not... So, the, so this comparison between today's employer and employee relationship isn't exactly perfect. But when we're reading this as 21st century, 21st century Americans, we can apply these scriptures to our workplace. Um, so there were, there were masters who were good and considerate, who were in good households, had good jobs, um, and were in a good, pl- in a good place. But there were many of them that were under harsh um, Masters, and they were, these were servants who were beaten and mistreated, often for their faith. Um, but in verse 15, Peter says, Servants, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters. Again, we see the, this word, in reverent 
fear of God. Again, we are not called to submit to authority out of a, of a fear of that authority, not to appease that authority, that human authority, but out of reverent fear of God. It is out of our great honor, our respect, our love for the Lord that we are submitted to our masters or our, in today's culture, our employers. Um, Colossians 3.23 says this, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters. I think this is a good verse that applies to where we're at today. Um, when you are fully submitted to God, when, when God becomes the reason for your work and the power behind your work, submission to human authority becomes easier. When you are fully submitted to God, it's easier to submit to the human authority that God put in place. Does that make sense? This is hard stuff, though. I'm not denying that. Um, Peter goes on to say that when we suffer for doing good, it is commendable before God. Now, in Peter's day, these people had to face real physical persecution, beatings, whippings, of the, that kind of stuff. For us, if I'm at the office and I don't finish an assignment on time, I don't have to worry about a, a beating at the end of the day. But we still, in our, in our workplaces, can face some persecution. And whether it's being denied a promotion because, because of what you believe, if you're ridiculed for going to church, Maybe your boss just is verbally abusive and overly demanding for no good reason whatsoever. Peter says we're still to honor our bosses, submit to our bosses. And when we do that, even in the face of suffering, even in the face of adversity, we are being like Christ. We're being like Christ when we do that. We can take comfort in that. All right. How many of you guys have watched the show The Office? Anybody? A few of you? Yeah, it is It is a good show. It is funny. And it's funny because we can all relate to having an incompetent, selfish, foolish boss who is hard to work for. Even if he's not as goofy as this guy, we kind of twist it in our heads to think that, that yeah, he's exactly like my boss. And the office is really a caricature of the modern American office. And unfortunately, sometimes, maybe it's a little too close to reality, you know, the whole basis of this show is this goofy boss that no one respects. He um, doesn't know what he's doing, really. They all, his employees are always making fun of him, playing pranks on him. That's the whole premise of the show. But it's pretty close to some rea- reality in some offices in America. Um, we just have that lack of respect. If you don't believe me, A recent Gallup poll showed that 75% of people who quit their jobs do so because of their bosses. 75% leave because of their bosses. Now, either we have a problem with bad bosses in America or we have an authority problem in America. How you answer that question will reveal the status of your heart right now. We have an authority problem in America. How do we beat that authority problem in America? Let's rise up, church. How do we be honoring to our bosses? I think this is an important question to ask yourself. What are practical ways that I can honor, respect, submit to my boss, even if I think that he's a little like Michael Scott? Excellence. Pursue excellence, even when you don't like the task. Every day. (laughs) I have a task that I probably don't want to do, but I, I want to pursue excellence in that. To honor. To work for the Lord, not for men. Work hard. 
even when your boss is not watching. There is a verse about that, Colossians 3.22, Obey your earthly masters in everything, not only when their eyes are on you. It's easy to kind of take a kick your feet up a bit when the boss is out of town. It's the summertime at my workplace and the bosses are on vacation, in and out. It's very tempting to be like, yeah, I'm just going to take it easy for the week that they're out. No. Work hard, even when they're not watching. Speak to your boss with honor. Encourage them in their successes, even if they're not speaking to you with honor, even if they're not encouraging you in your successes. Do that to them. You can hold your tongue. This is probably the most difficult one for some of us. Maybe you don't like the way the boss is doing something. And sure, there's a place for respectfully giving your opinion, but hold your tongue when you want to say something a little biting back to your boss. There's a couple, one more, one other example here is to, to pray for your boss. And this might be the most powerful one. Um, I've had many friends and people that I know that say, you know, I'm just having a really hard time at the workplace. The environment is poisoned, you know, or the, my boss is hard to work for. Then they start praying on their way to work for their boss, for their work environment. And they're always so amazed when, after a few times of doing that, that they begin to see results. Why? We are Christians. We believe in prayer, yes? We believe that God intercedes on our behalf when we pray. He will do that in your workplace. He is with you wherever you go. There is so much power in praying for your boss, even if it's just a short little two-minute prayer on your way into work. There is freedom in submitting to your boss and to your supervisors because instead of constantly second-guessing everything they do, instead of always thinking about how you could do the job better, you're free to do your work. It's a novel idea, doing your work at work. But there's a lot of us today that maybe aren't doing our work at work because we're too busy thinking about how we would do it. Making sense? You have the power to change the atmosphere at your workplace. You have the power to change your at- the atmosphere at your workplace through just how you treat your boss. Treat them with honor and respect. You can change the atmosphere. Okay, let's keep moving. We've covered submission to the government, submission in the workplace. Now we get to cover submission, honor, respect in marriages. This is fun. <laughs> we can just skip over this section. This is a really hard one, so let's let's actually wrap up right now. <laughs> How many of you guys read your Bible like that? That's a really hard section. I'll just keep moving. Something more interesting's got to be here. We don't do that at New Day Community Church. We dive into the hard passages. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Okay. This is a hard scripture. 
It's, it makes it doesn't make it any easier because so often this, this section can be twisted and misinterpreted, misapplied in our lives. Um, it says, wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands. Again, I'm going to look at four quick words in the same way. We just covered submission to government, submission in the workplace. The motivation was always fear of the Lord, love for the Lord. In the same way, the a, a, a wife submitting to their husband has the same motivation of respecting the Lord. Ultimately, women should honor and submit to their husbands not for the purpose of pleasing their husbands, but for pleasing the Lord. That's important. That's a, an important motivation in the hearts of women. Um, Ephesians 5, verse 22 says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. When we're honoring to our to the husbands, we are honoring to the Lord. And I, I feel bad even having to say this because hopefully to most of us this is obvious. But because this section of Scripture has been often misinterpreted, I think it's important to say this right away. And it may seem obvious probably to all of you. Just because wives are called to submit to their husbands does not mean they are, that they're inferior to their husbands. doesn't mean that they're less than their husbands. does not mean that they have to agree with everything that their husband says and does. It does not mean that they, ha- they should have their opinions silenced. It does not mean that it is his way or the highway. Um, it, it doesn't mean that men should or that women should have to submit to all men. It very clearly says submit to their own husband. So what does this word submission mean in this context? Submission means recognizing husband's leadership and helping him carry it out, helping him become the man he was designed to be. How do wives do this? Peter goes on to paint a picture, and this is important as we read this scripture. He paints a picture of a godly wife. He says that a godly wife, a submissive wife, has a gentle spirit. Her hope is in God, and she does not give way to fear. She is fearless. Too often, we associate submission with weakness. This is not the case. Peter is very clear. He paints a picture of a woman, a submissive, honoring wife, as being strong, unshakable in her trust and hope in the Lord, and fearless. She does not give way to fear. Because her hope and her faith is not in her husband who is weak, but in her Lord who is strong. That is important to know when we're looking at this. That it's out of her great love and trust and hope in the Lord that she is able to be honoring and submissive to her husband. Peter goes on to address men. He says we are to honor and respect our wives. I like verse 7 in the New Living Translation. It says, In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be physically weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in the gift in in God's gift of new life. Equal partner in God's gift of new life. What does Peter tell us us men to do here? To honor our wives. To understand our wives. And I don't think Peter means understanding why my wife tells me to keep the toilet seat down. I don't think he means when my wife asks me to make the bed and we're just going to get in it a few hours later. Those are mysteries. Don't Don't get me wrong on that. But... I think he means that we need to explore the depths of the heart of the hearts of our wives. That we need to know their inner passions, their dreams, um, their their hopes, their desires. To be a student 
of your wife. I want to have a PhD in Adrian Erica Mueller. I want to know who she is. I want to know her passions. I want to know her dreams. I want to know where, where she wants to go in the future and I want to help her get there. Why? Why do I want that? Peter tells us in the New Living Translation because she is my equal partner in this marriage. She is an equal partner in, a, in me leading this family. Yes, husbands have a place of headship and authority, absolutely. But it is a co-partnership between my wife and I and we are stronger for it. Our marriage is stronger for it because it is a co-partnership as it says in the Word. Too often we worry about who wears the pants in the relationship? Who's in control? When God wants to be in control. And God is best in control in an atmosphere of honor. In an atmosphere of respect. Work hard to develop an atmosphere of honor in your home, in your household. Because that's when God can, can clearly be heard. Is when there's this atmosphere of honor and respect. And Christian marriages were absolutely radical, absolutely astonishing to the Roman world. This society that they lived in, women didn't have rights. For the most part, women were expected to obey every single thing that their husbands said. But here Peter comes along and says something different, that wifely submission should be balanced by a loving, sacrificial, and honoring husband. You say that again, that... Um, Wifely submission should be balanced with a loving, sacrificial, honoring husband. These are hard passages and I hope that they're causing you to think and to want to go deeper into the Word yourself and figure out what some of this stuff means because we've passed over some things and there's a lot of other things I'd like to say, but we need to keep moving, put a bow on this by looking at the last section that we're going to look at today. And that's in First Peter chapter 3. Uh, verses 8 through 13. It says, finally, all of you be like-minded. Be sympathetic. Love one another. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you are called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? Peter closes this section, or the section we're going to look at today, by saying to live in harmony, to be sympathetic, to be compassionate, to be humble, to return evil with blessing, to seek peace. Sounds a lot like living well. Sounds a lot like following Christ, being like Christ. But it's hard to do those things. It's hard to live that out if you don't have an honoring and submissive heart. Peter laid the foundation in the previous verses of how to, to be in a place where you can do that. I believe in order to live well, in order to follow Christ well, you need to have an honoring and submissive heart. I think what Peter is telling us is that when we are submissive to the government, when we're submissive in the workplace, when we are honoring to our spouses, we can cultivate a heart that allows us to live well, to have hope, to be in harmony with others, even when you're facing struggle, even when you're facing adversity. It's important to have that that heart of submission so you can live the rest out. Honor and submission brings freedom and blessing to yourself and to those around you. 
Sometimes we get caught up in standing up against things that we don't believe in, disrespecting those we don't agree with. We get caught up in standing up for our rights or jockeying for position, jockeying for power. And these things become our chains. We become enslaved to them. But if we would be honoring, if we would be respectful, submissive, then we could truly be free. Because this focus is taken off of ourselves and what we want and it's put back on God and it's put back on others. We're free to live as Christ wants us to live. My encouragement to you today is to leave your chains behind. Whether they're the chains of disobeying your boss, whether they're the chains of disrespecting our government openly too much, whether it's the chains of dishonoring your spouse, I encourage you to choose honor, to choose submission, choose freedom this morning. Now, I'm just going to wrap up by saying this is a hard section of Scripture. And hopefully it's challenging. It's as challenging for you as it was for me as I was reading it and wrestling through it. And there's a lot more here to be read. I encourage you to go home, read it, dig into it, find out what God is speaking to you about it. That's important. So, can we just close in prayer and then we'll have Luke come up and close us out. Father God, we love You. We want to follow You well. We want to be wholly submitted to You, God. And we realize that it's easier, that, that when we submit to You, that it's easier to submit to um, the earthly authorities. God, we pray that we would have hearts that are honoring towards the government, honoring in the workplace, honoring in our households to our um, wives and to our husbands. God, I pray that You would mold our hearts um, to be honoring, respectful, loving, full of joy, full of life, full of the fruits of the Spirit, God. Just pray that you'd help us as we continue to study your word, to understand it, to um, interpret it, and to apply it to our lives. We love you, and we praise you. We give you all the glory. In your name we pray. Amen.